happened over the last month or so, people will, will email us and say, hey, I read this on your website and I need a little bit more clarity about what that really means. And we, we enjoy feedback. I mean, well, we enjoy most feedback or actually that's not true. We, we enjoy the bare minimum of feedback at this church. But, but we do take some of those things seriously. And uh, this last week, so you can't get to see what it was, but I, we, we went through and we went and kind of reworked some of those things. And part of the challenge is this. Describing spiritual things with words is difficult. It's like trying to describe how someone falls in love. There's parts of it that we get, but there's this mysterious part on the other side that's hard for us to explain or to put into words. And it's not that we shouldn't try to give some version of what we're doing. The reality is, if you want to know what we really think about God and about the church, you're going to have to be here week in and week out, and that process is going to take a long time. But we do put something out there so that people can hopefully get an idea of the things that we ultimately believe. Which leads us to this question. How are we as people spiritually formed? In other words, when you come to church or when you walk in faith, we believe that there is a process by which people are formed. I mean, physically, emotionally, we get that. But spiritually as well, there is this process of maturing that takes place in every single person's life. And us talking about how that happens from time to time is very positive. I believe, and this is where churches have landed, we are formed through knowledge as well as experience. Now let me give you an idea of what that means. I'm not going to go fully in depth, so this is the simple version. Some of you in this room are knowledge people, okay? You're, You're head people, and we know that we have heads and we have hearts. So some of you in this room, the head people, the knowledge people, you really enjoy the sermon time. That's why you came. You came to receive some teaching, and even though you like worship and you, you get it, you're, you know, that's not as important to you. You're heavy on knowledge. Uh, there's others of you that are more heart people, and worship is just, oh, that's it. And usually these people are not married to the same person. So you will actually have a spouse that likes something that's different from what you like. Now, sometimes there's two knowledge people. Those people are awful. We try to get rid of them as quickly as possible. But if there's balance, we like that. Now, let me give you an example. If you are a knowledge person, you love the hymns, not because the music is better, but because it has lots of words. That's why you like it. It says something. If you are more worship and experience inclined, you like what we call the 7-Eleven songs. Seven words repeated 11 times. You are good, good, oh, oh. You are good, good. Uh, The knowledge people, after two lines, are like, we get it, you're good. And the experienced people are like, you know, the 18th time I was like, you are good, good. Oh, it was right there. That was the moment for me. Okay? And we have both of these things. But we've also learned that there is balance between these two things. It's about words. It's about worship. And it's about finding a line kind of between the two as we go. Unfortunately, what we've done in churches is we have created the golden buff- golden corral buffet of spirituality. You come and you consume. You consume. You consume. Now, There's an animal in nature that I think we could learn a lot from that we need to be more like, and it's this animal right here. Um, But let me tell you why. Cows are not bright animals, but they are smart. If you go on a trip and you leave before the sun, you know, has risen in the morning, as you drive through the fields, especially around here, you'll see the cows are awake before dawn. 
and they are out eating, looking for the most dew-covered grass they can find. And for most of the morning, they will walk around and they will eat this grass. And then right about noontime, when the sun starts to get harsh, what do they do? They go and they find a shady spot or they go into the middle of the field and they lay down. And yes, while I understand this is gross, they spend the rest of the day chewing the cud. They regurgitate what they've consumed and they, they chew it again and again and again. And this is what makes them healthy. And there's value in that. You can't just consume all the time. You've got to take moments to be reflective. What I've learned is we have to teach people how to be reflective. People are not naturally reflective. We have to, we have to build it into our world and realize that we're not just formed by knowledge and consumption. What we do, and I encourage all married people when we do our marriage group to do this, talking about communication. In the morning, get up, say, hey, this is what I'm doing today. Share your plans, share all your knowledge. And then when you come back at dinner at the end of the day, say, hey, this is what I did and I had to deal with this and this is what's going on and this is how that made me feel. And that there's a value in, in the sharing of this. We try to teach our kids to do this at the dinner table most nights. We say, hey, what was the favorite thing about your day? What was the thing that you didn't enjoy about your day? And we're not just doing that because we're trying to make conversation. We're trying to allow them to be reflective that as they go through their day, they realize, hey, maybe this is my good moment. Hey, maybe this is my tough moment. And I'm going to get to share those things in my home. You know, th the other side of it is this. All of us take a lot of pictures on our phones. You've been at the kids' kids' activity, right? They're in the concert or they're doing something or they're playing a sport. And they're the parents with the phones, right? They're missing the event so that they can capture the event. Let me ask you a question. How often do you go back and look at your pictures? We have substituted missing an event rather than seeing an event and allowing it to be a memory because we want to capture it and we want to put it on Instagram. We want everybody to see what's going on in our lives. My wife and I, we try to take less pictures. And then your phones are so smart, they'll even tell you places you were. So sometimes at night, before the kids are winding down, we'll get in bed and we'll pick a trip. Okay, let's, let's look at all the pictures about that trip. And they reflect, oh, I remember this and that restaurant. And then we walked there and we saw this and we engaged in that. We've got to teach people to be reflective. Now, when you leave today, uh, which is not going to be anytime soon, I just want you to know right now. But when you leave today, you'll walk out, and by the coffee bar, there is part of our core value. And the top one says, encountering Jesus. And what we learn is that encountering, we encounter Jesus through reflection and contemplation. You know, what do you do in the morning when you get up and you spend some time with the Lord? What do we call that? Quiet time. Are you often quiet during that time? Or are you reading and praying your lips? Even by definition, that means a time that we're supposed to be quiet, yet we're not. Because what we need to learn as people is that if we want to encounter Jesus, part of it is speaking, but the other part that's equally important is listening. So today we're going to take a journey together. Now I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, if you are one of those knowledge people, you are not going to enjoy today. If you are a worship person, you will be in tears in no time. It's going to be wonderful. I want you to just trust me. I want us to, to, to engage some practices that will form and shape us. One of the ancient practices is a Latin word called Lectio Divina. 
which simply means listening for the divine. In old times, people didn't have Bibles like we do today. They would go to church and they would hear something. And so we're going to engage in a few short practices today, about four or five, that we're going to participate in. What I want you to do, I want you to just put your feet flat on the floor for a minute. Place your, your palms facing up on your knees. There's nothing special about this posture, just that it's not one that we traditionally sit in, so it makes us pay attention. I want you to close your eyes. Just focus on your breath. Focus on breathing. Now, breathing is something we do consciously and unconsciously. Just relax. part of the first sermon that Jesus ever preaches. But I want you to try to hear them as if Jesus was saying them to you. Blessed are you who are in mourning, for God will comfort you. Blessed are you who feel weak, for God has made everything around you disappear. Blessed are you who feel lost, unsure, doubtful, but want to know more about God. You up. Blessed are you who show mercy to everyone you meet. God will show you mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for those that make peace. You get it. You're God's children. Blessed are you who are having a tough time. Maybe even in faith. Because the kingdom of God is here. It's amazing when Jesus starts preaching. He doesn't start with a list of what you've done wrong, how bad you are. He starts with blessings. He wants you to know, he wants you to hear from his voice that you are blessed. As you slowly take a few more breaths and, and open your eyes, I hope you'll feel refreshed and new. The ancient practice of
there's another practice that's similar to listening for the divine. It's called visio divina, whereas lectio divina means to listen to the divine. Visio divina means to look for the divine, to see God in all things. In 1942, a movie came out that we all know. It was this movie. Can't you believe it? been that long ago that this movie came out. In 1942, you can look this up if you'd like, 1942, about six million hunting licenses were issued for deer season in the U.S. In 1943, less than half of six million hunting licenses were issued. You know why? Because little girls and little boys saw their dad put on an orange vest and they got it. There's an old saying that says, a picture says or speaks a thousand words. And sometimes when we go through our day, we're not always open to the idea of looking for God in all these places. And so I have, a, have an assignment for us today as we receive. Where do you see God in these? of how we see them every day. We're bombarded with them. Sometimes we fail to ask the question, 
where do I see God? Maybe even for some of these Christians, the question is, where is God? But this practice helps us to, to garn our faith, to understand how we see faith. You ever wonder maybe how do we see Jesus? We don't have pictures of Jesus. I mean, we have illustrations of him, maybe paintings of him. And every one of us grew up thinking Jesus looked a certain way. If you closed your eyes, you would see Jesus a certain way. One of the big ways that I was formed in my view of Jesus was when the Jesus of Nazareth movie came out, and I thought Jesus looked something like this. It, it was a very very sterilized version of Jesus looking back now, the, just a couple of drops of blood on his, on his brow with the crown of thorns, and, and it wasn't really brutal. It was only years later, about almost 25 years ago now, when the Passion of the Christ movie came out and we saw images like this of Jesus, and we didn't know what to do with them because they were violent and tortured and difficult, and we felt violated by them. But maybe our eyes started to see that perhaps this was a little closer to what it actually was. I grew up seeing pictures of three crosses on a hill silhouetted by a beautiful sunset, and maybe this is what you saw as well. I always thought that if I was close to Jesus, if I was standing by the cross, then his little foot pedestal would be right about eye level with me, right? But then a Russian painter in the 18th century painted a depiction of the crucifixion that looks like this. I want you to look at this picture, maybe for 20 or 30 seconds. Let's just look at it. What do you see? more uncomfortable with the picture or the silence, right? Notice how the crosses, there's little depressions in the ground. They've been there, right? The sign that's probably hung above Jesus' head is tossed aside like a mocking of the enemy. The soldier just walking away. It's just another day at the office. Yes, the sun is shining, but it's not that beautiful warm morning sun. It's this glaring afternoon sun. You can see the darkness moving in behind it. The other criminals are, are propped up on the cross, but Jesus is slumped down. Tortured day. No foot pedestal. Feet just nailed to the side of the cross. The anguish on his face. difficult for us to see that. It, Jesus seems so eye-level, doesn't he? He's right there. Maybe gives us a different perspective on sacrifice and faith. You know, in life, we need to learn to let faith come to us as well. I think a lot of times we are in pursuit of faith. And there's nothing wrong with being in pursuit of faith. But sometimes we're running a sprint and we don't take time to stop and enjoy the journey or wait for our spiritual lives to catch up. This is where borrowing words 
from ancient traditions is powerful. And so this next one is kind of a combination of Visio Divina and Lectio Divina, listening or looking and seeing and feeling. And what I want you to do as, as these words come across the screen, find one that's yours. When one speaks to you, hold on to it. Look at all the other words, but just hold on to that one word as we reflect on this together. funny uh, my word was surrender in this service it was illumination in the first service quite a what a sweet word what if the person next to you just told them what your word was you're one of those high knowledge people, you were like, none of those words spoke to me. My word is transmogrification or something. Uh, so you've got to get with progress. But uh, there's something valuable in allowing God to speak to you, allowing God to speak to you. We have a name for this in church, but it's not a word that we use very often because it makes us uncomfortable and it makes us feel vulnerable. When we take a moment to listen to God and then speak that out, it's called confession. But it's not an easy thing for us to do. It's not something we naturally do. If I'd ask you, hey, look to somebody and say, what's the number one sin you've struggled with this week? That'd be harder. 
but you chose your word because it came to you and you allowed it to speak to you and then you allowed yourself to share you see that's what confession is confession is allowing ourselves to share not just confessing that we need a savior because we're sinful but allowing ourselves to share our lives with others and let them in which is a vulnerable space and we don't like that I'm on this little Bible, uh, this little prayer app that I read, usually when I'm walking my dog, to be honest. And one of the prayers that it has as a part of every time that you pray is a confession prayer. And here's an example of one of the confession prayers that it has. Most merciful God, I confess that I've sinned against you in thought, in word, and deed by what I have done and what I have left undone. I love that line. Because we always think that sin is what we, what we do badly not what we leave out. I have not loved with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. And for this, I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. This part of, of understanding that we don't do faith perfectly. That's, that's why whenever we have the Lord's Supper Sundays, you will always hear me say this, that we receive communion rather than take communion. Are we taking communion today? No, taking means you, receiving means God. I know it's a little word, and I know one really means the other. But there's a difference between having a heart stance of I'm going to go and get this versus I'm going to hold out my hands and God is going to give it to me. We've got to teach people to, we've got to know that there's this teaching side as well as this reflection side in our faith. Even Paul understands this when he writes to the Corinthian church. Listen to these words. He does a little bit of teaching, and then he encourages them to reflect. It's right here. Listen to it. It says in verse chapter 11, verse 20, 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's him teaching us what this is. But right after that, he puts in this reflection part. So then whenever you eat this bread or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment. Now, when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, he tells them to do it in remembrance of me, not in obedience to me. I think sometimes we grew up in a place where we thought the Lord's Supper was about obedience to me and not remembrance of me. It was a task. It was something that we did. It wasn't something that we received from God. Today we're going to do, I don't want to say it's different, it's what we should do. 
we're going to start with that moment of examination, that moment where we look inside and say, where am I at? Not how bad I am or how good I am, just where am I at in my life? And then in the course of time, you're going to come up in this cross. There's nothing magical about this cross. But whatever your confession is, whatever your word is, whatever, whatever you need to lay down, you just come and maybe touch the cross. Just as a symbolic sign that you want God to work in your life. You want the cross to have value and power. And then you'll take a short little walk across the stage. Nobody's going to be up here. And you're going to grab one of these symbols with the body and the blood of Jesus. We spilled some wax in the first service. Some of them are glued to the table. You're going to have to pull a little harder. You're going to have to really want the Lord's Supper today. That's okay. Then you're going to take that and maybe, maybe you're going to take it right there. And then you're going to move to the back on this side and we have a little corner going to be a little prayer corner. I want you to just pray your heart. It doesn't have to be big. Maybe it's, God, just teach me how this is supposed to shape and form me. God, just, just help me to see who you are. Just a moment to lift up our, our heads, our hands, our hearts. We've got some prayer people that will be back there. If you need somebody to pray with you about something that you have laid down and you're taking up the body and the blood of Christ in its place, and you don't want the enemy to have a hold again, there will be people to pray with. You can pray for a second. You can share for a moment. And then the doors will open, and you're going to be free to go. And hopefully in the midst of that process, you will receive God's blessing and take up His will on your life. That's what the Lord's Supper, that's what communion is meant to be. Us trading our lives and our space for God. So in a moment, I'm just going to let the time be yours. And I'm going to ask if you're kind of to the front, please don't walk across the front this way. Just, just make your way around the back. And just get in line. There's no rush. Just lay it down. Take it up and receive it. And maybe when you walk out, it'll change the way you pick up your kids today. Maybe you drop them off in one place. Hopefully, you'll pick them up in a different place. Maybe your marriage is in turmoil. Maybe you feel like you hate your life. You hate what God is doing. You can't see Him anywhere. Hopefully, you'll have eyes to see where God, what God is doing and where he is working. I'm going to give you time to share in that. Our Father, thank you for, thank you for reminding us of who you are. Thank you that our faith is not a, an achievement, but it's just a submission to you. God, may we May we just open our hearts and our lives and allow you to speak directly to us. We thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. Bless us as we share in it and receive it together.
Salty. Good.